On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Rachel Halliburton, VP of Marketing at Beyond Yoga. Tune in as we talk about the evolution of the brand, what lies ahead for Beyond Yoga, and chat through Rachel's five tactics to change marketing. Hey there, and welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class focused on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. I'm Micah Haykoop, the Director of Operations here, and I'm here with my good friend, Rachel Halliburton, the VP of Marketing from Beyond Yoga. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is the first podcast Rachel has been on, which was shocking to me in a (laughs) lot of ways, just because I feel like if you gave me an over-under on how many people email you asking to pick your brain every week... I'd say there's probably like two per week, right? At least, yeah. At least two per week, but no one has ever been like, Rachel, we want to pick your brain publicly and mm. record it. I, I actively avoid any publicity. It's It's been a 15-year effort. It's been 15 years. It has. There's no photos. There's there's like one or two wire photos where I'm hiding in the background of some PA, but it's a, it's a conscious effort on my part. Um, this is just a testament to my soft spot for Micah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so you were, you were doing that for 15 years leading yeah. up to this moment where yes. you could fail on, on May 4th. Pretty much, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amazing. So we always do three introductory questions so people can be like, oh, I want to get a sense of Rachel's personality. So the first thing we ask, what's the last book you read? Uh, yeah, so it's something to this effect, and this is not verbatim, but it's Everything Will Be Okay and Other Lies People Tell You. I've heard of this book. Yeah, okay. yeah right? Good. It, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, this woman was diagnosed with like stage four cancer and yeah. in the process loses her faith in absolutely everything. It's wonderful. Highly recommend it. Much funnier than it sounds. I did that without getting cancer too, so it's like <laughs> she just dove a little harder. Yeah, uh-huh, the, yeah. So uh, best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, my father was like, you have to have a plan. You can go back. You can edit the plan. You can rewrite the plan. But you can't just walk around with no plan. That's not an option. Um, that's pretty much the only piece of advice I've followed my entire life. That's a good, that is a good a, piece of advice. tremendously solid. I've said it a thousand times to other people. I've wanted to do an episode of this podcast that's like a bunch of 90-second interviews of people giving the best piece of advice they've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time we've asked someone best piece of advice, and I feel like it started off well. Good. Um, last favorite place to travel? Uh, we go to Taos, New Mexico every year. And Area. that's like, give us like, give people an overview of what it's like there. It's as far as you can get away from civilization with still access to organic groceries, which mm. is the bougiest thing I've said in a while, but I'm just going to embrace. Lean in. Uh, lean in. Four G, and 4G fantastic. as well? It's No. 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 Okay. They can't find you. They can't call you. They, like if you walk to the end of a random parking lot, you might get signal, but probably not. Like it's where it's where like survivalists go oh. when the end times come. We're gonna go <laughs> You're back gonna go to house. Yeah. Yeah. Just some dream catchers and organic groceries and it'll be lovely. Who's um, selling the organic groceries out there? There's one super chic little store. It's a lot of like ex hippies, like that have you know, defected and gone out there. It's fabulous. Um, A dear friend of ours has some property, so we've been going there every holiday for the last, like, I don't know, six, seven years. That's awesome. And there's some Airbnbs available if people want to. I would rather that they not go. Redacted from the podcast. I don't want to see any of y'all. Redacted from the podcast. (laughs) Okay, so I'll I'll preface all of these, like the interview with the fact that I've wanted to have you on 
we talked about it for a minute, but for long before that, I wanted to have you on because I've always seen you as someone who is like the best at, I'm going to call it change marketing. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in the way that maybe, maybe whatever the actual definition is, is just, I always thought you see like when Neo sees the matrix at the end of the movie, (laughs) I feel like you see the matrix. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk a bit about that. We're going to start by talking your time at Beyond Yoga, which is where you're currently at. Mm -hmm. And and then maybe talk more about um, change marketing as a whole. But what I wanted to start with and like, where are you guys in the terms of the evolution of Beyond Yoga? You went from when we first started talking to you and, and mm-hmm. we had done some work for you. It was kind of like made in L.A. Mm-hmm. and we have a body positive message. But it was this very like, I don't know, generic yoga. Mm-hmm. I don't know well, how I describe it. So the it. brand had existed for about nine years. Yeah. It, was, it was one of the first to market in the concept of kind of athleisure in that world. Um, they had never in the history of the brand had a single person on board for marketing, end quote, which yeah. is like as a marketer, it's it's hard for me to even process that and what that means. It's a testament to the product that they were able to get as far as they were and a testament to where they hit in the timeline of just that industry, first to market, right? Mm-hmm. So they had a tremendous foothold with the studio accounts and other wholesale accounts, but they had no actual brand, right? So you're direct-to-consumer is not going to exist because the consumer needs to reach out and hug and hold a brand. Um, So that's what they needed. So that's why I came on board. Um, And to your point of kind of, I'll call it end-game marketing, which is much more fearsome-sounding. Yeah. um, It's I have, I think, the ability to see the bigger picture and see quickly where the brand needs to be and what I need to do to get there. It doesn't mean that the process is swift necessarily, but I can easily put together a blueprint, so to speak. Um, So I pretty quickly assembled a team uh, and took it from there. So it was building out the, you know, the inner guts of how a marketing team should work, as well as the creative team. Um, And both of those sit in my court. Uh, As far as where we are, I think we've come tremendously far in creating the look and feel and voice of the brand, uh, social, kind of all of those levers, you know, collabs, all, all those things are kind of being pulled. And I think where we are now is the last leg of the journey, which is uh, kind of spit polishing some things like the logo, which is hideous. Yeah. Let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> we own yeah. that, um, is kind of tackling some of those big pieces, which can be like the last death rattle of an old brand that you have to take away before you birth it into the future, right? Um, so really, like, those are the last few things that I want to approach. That's, and to me, I, it's fun. When we talked about more specifics of the brand, it took me maybe six months to get that it was a pun. Or not a pun, but it's <laughs> the idea that it's like, you you always like, well, we're more than just yoga. And it took me a long time to to realize that the brand name Beyond Yoga was because it was for more than just yoga and not the fact that your yoga practice was beyond, yeah. which is maybe how I had interpreted it before. I think in 2003, someone probably thought it was a stellar idea. And That's a good SEO right there. It's <laughs> a good SEO name. The So for you, what's been the most like, how do you define the shift? You went from what to what? Like, who were they before, if you had to put it like a kind of um, archetype on it, and who are you now? Sure. I mean, essentially, they were a B2B kind of maker of quality goods that could be co-branded by somebody else, mm. um, or just kind of basics, right? And where we are now is an actual living, breathing brand with its own anatomy and its own kind of thoughts and feelings, um, and that's what you have to have, right? So it's it's literally like, it's like building the structure of a human for 
for lack of a more dramatic phrase. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. that's that's where we are. Uh, the consumer has changed dramatically with us. The consumer is considerably younger. Um, the consumer is there for the brand and not just the product now. Um, so we have that relationship, which is great. And um, as you touched on, you know, the, the company was kind of founded on body positivity 10 years ago before the phrase existed. So we've really pushed that to the forefront in a way that we think is is tactful mm-hmm. um, and is more about inclusivity in general. Inclusivity, you know, are you super small? Are you large? Are you black? Are you white? What are you? Like, whatever you are, it's cool. In this industry, in, in the health and wellness space, there's a lot of size zero blondes. And a lot of brands, they propagate that. They prey on that insecurity, and and that's what fuels them, right? I I hate to call that out, but it is what it is. Anyway, we are the inverse of that. Um, My team is a testament to that. The founders are a testament to that. So that's what we've really worked to push to the front. And did you ever find it weird? I felt like there was this big push, and I felt myself do it a couple times, where we said there needed to be more inclusion, and then brands started including, um, whether it be like minorities or whether it be people who... um, like uh, handicap, things like that, we then ended up um, judging them and being like, oh, they're just using that for marketing. I think that consumers these days, it, it's the whole different landscape. They're tremendously educated. Um, they understand and they see a level of nuance that they didn't in the 90s or even the early thousands. Um, I think that their read on authenticity, and I think that social is in part I don't want to say to blame, but social is to blame for this because we started to be able to pick out like, is it authentic? Is it not? Is it staged? Is it real? And that transfers to advertising in general. And so they can sniff out a gimmick in a blink. Um, So I think that you have to be real committed. It's not a campaign. It is who your brand is in everything you do, in every ad, in every asset, it has to be considered. Um, So I, I, from where I sit in branding, um, if a brand is going to do it, you got to do it. It's yeah. a full marriage to the concept. Yeah, I think you. One thing I think Beyond Yoga has done really well recently is the is just consistency. Yeah. You guys send an email every day, right? Give or take. Give or yeah. take every day, and they're always the same format. Mm-hmm. They're always like a, a slightly different color on all these banners, and you have it's a different type of model every day. You guys also have kept some of the same models through multiple campaigns, mm-hmm. which actually helps me hold on to a brand better. Nice. It makes it feel I was trying to explain this to I was trying to explain this to someone yesterday is that like if you have one shoe or you keep changing like you keep changing things so much it never actually feels like there's a story especially if you're not doing a lot of like there on your website there's like no blog there's no storytelling it's just like oh we have products on the site and we have a social channel there's no cohesive cohesion but you guys I, I feel like shoot a ton one yes. you guys are producing a lot. like you came from we a photo do. shoot potentially before this and there is a lot of and, and so it makes the brand feel very alive mm-hmm. and then like to your point you're committed to a diversity of models all the time including a cast of characters that are familiar mm-hmm. all the time um and yeah both racially and size wise uh, we are incredibly committed to it um casting is a lengthy and occasionally contentious process mm. with us every quarter. Uh, and we do shoot a lot. We shoot deep uh, every season. And it's it's a large line item, but we feel that if we're going to be making a spend for our brand to 
to really commit, that spend is worth it. Yeah. So like I'm not doing an event or I'm not sponsoring, but I'm putting my, my money where my mouth is, so to speak. Yeah. So I want to maybe wide, widen the lens a little bit and talk about what I said in the beginning, the idea of change marketing. So before this, uh, you were at Google. Correct. Learning how to track our thoughts, maybe That's advertise correct. based on things we said in front of mm-hmm. our phones. Who knows? Your dreams, really. Yeah, dreams. You, dreams. you were learning how to infiltrate mm-hmm. our dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, you were at Tom's, do, kind of running the show, I'd say. Other people would say. Um Job titles aside. So I want to ask you, we we talk, we always try to boil a little bit down to like five things on the podcast. And, and so I want to ask five questions and hear five specifics on the idea of change marketing and kind of like your approach to when you come in somewhere, because I feel like you've done this every place, place you've been and probably even before that, um, you know, kind of what you think is key in these. So the first thing is around like picking people for your team. So you got to come in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you need a new team. First, you're probably identifying what the brand actually needs to do. But how are you? How do you go about picking people? I, I, I it's it's not a good answer. I take a lot of people with me. That's and it pisses a lot of people now, off. There you go. Babe. And it, it ruffles a lot of feathers. Um, I'm I'm violently loyal to my team once I have them, um, and it's been an issue. But I I do carry a lot of people through various jobs, and I still talk to people from like the first job I had, you know, 17 years ago. Um, so I, I build a little army and I keep that army close and I keep that army with me. It is, it, it sounds so dramatic again, like an army, a soldier, but it's, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need somebody who has your back no matter what. And conversely, I have theirs and that's why they'll come with me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, some companies get upset because I took someone and I'm like, listen, if you're treating your people the way they should be treated, if you're respecting them as humans, as individuals, do you know their kid's name? Do you know their husband's names? Like, do you do you truly know them and appreciate them and respect them? Because if you do, guess what? They wouldn't leave. So maybe don't blame me <laughs> that my <laughs> the mirror, soldiers buddy. <laughs> are coming along. It's I, I think that the onus is on each brand and on each manager to, to truly like honor their employees to get the best out of them. Um, um, so that's my my challenge, I suppose, to people in the industry, and that is also, for better or worse, where I get my team from. Yeah, could, <laughs> could I? Ask, so I think it sounds like a part of that is it, it is kind of hard to find good talent yes. off the rip. Yep. So when you come in somewhere and there's already 90 people who are hired there before you, and then you move on, you kind of got through the hard part of knowing who's real and who's mm-hmm. and, and who's a little bit. Uh, maybe softer around the edges. Correct. Yeah, that, that is a quicker way to learn. So then the second thing is, I, and I, I don't know if I've gotten the chance to do this, navigating politics at a large organization. Yeah. What the Rachel, okay, and I and I hate to say it, I feel like you, uh, y- you may have some great advice on this because you've probably been put in tough situations. What is the Rachel 101 guide to navigating corporate politics? Totally. Um, so, so for preface, I was uh, VP of branding at Tom's and head of global retail engagement for Google. Ooh, ever um, heard of it? And the best advice I can give, and it's, I, 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 it works for me, be incredibly, incredibly nice to the coordinators. Like, buy them gifts. Interesting. This is an interesting strategy. The secretaries. Like, I, I can honestly point to certain coordinators that I know for a fact got me various promotions. It's shocking. This is so and because, you're preaching taking care of the foundation of the house, not the kitchen. Like that's your army. 
Those are the people who, when you have a big idea, when you have a project, it's those little elves that stay till two in the morning and get it done and mm. make you look good, mm. right? So if you make them look good in return and if you respect them and do all of those things, I still talk to all of my interns. I'm going to an intern's wedding in a couple months. Dang. Yeah. Like, you're living it. You're, you're this living. is seven years after she was first my intern. Yeah. And like one of the hardest workers I've ever had. So it's like, it sounds so obvious, but it is shocking the, the disregard that some upper level executives have. If you have that foundation, your work will be tighter. You'll have more, lo more loyalty in the company as a whole. So, so what if that other C-level is, you know, bitchy to you? It doesn't matter because you've got 200 kids under 30 that are yeah. going to take a bullet for you. Mm. And that's what counts at the end of the day. Dang. And it's like those kids, they rise up. They get older. They become <laughs> Lame is style. It's true. They become directors. They become VPs. And yeah. it's like, I, I don't know why some executives are short-sighted. I think I'm very I'm very anti-nepotism and I'm very self-made, so to speak. Um, I've had every shit job you can imagine in the service industry. And I've packed every bag. I've answered every phone. So I have a deep level of empathy for people in those, those roles. Um, and it has served me well in my career. Did you have someone when you were in one of those roles that did that? for you that you were like, oh, this is a good version? Or was it that no one did that for you that it you were was, like, wow? It was that no one did it. Yeah. It was that no one did it and it was shocking to me. And I always thought like, this just like, this doesn't make sense. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I think there is so much narcissism. I'm really burning bridges on the sea level with this podcast. Yeah. But there's so <laughs> Let's much name some names. <laughs> Let's give us some specific examples. There's so much narcissism and there's so much like, oh, I did it myself. It yeah. was my idea. It was my what it's it's me, 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 me when you get to that level. And I just feel like big picture, long run, that's not gonna serve you. It wasn't just you. And like if you really want to truly build a stable house, it's about the team. Mm. Dang. That's great advice. <laughs> which, it, which I will take as soon as Matt Black grows into a corporation and I put these <laughs> politics into play, then we're going to be good. Um, so knowing the difference between ideas to fight for and ideas to give up. You're coming in, you have big ideas, you want to turn the Titanic around. I feel like you've actually always mm -hmm. had a good vision of the time it's going to take. And I think I'm actually stepping on one of my, uh, one of my later questions, but to you, how do you decide like, here's the hill to die on? Here's the thing to give up. Totally. I think that in my roles, or I guess for the past like five, six years, I'm kind of arm in arm with the founder or the CEO. And it is your job. It's like a marriage for better or worse, oftentimes worse. Um, it is your job to, know every inch of their brain. Like, what are they going to want for breakfast? You need to know when they sneeze before they sneeze. So I think if you if you get that close, which I think is partly your function to be able to intuit their vision, you're going to be able to intuit, are they going to say yes? Are they going to say no? And so you're going to need to stack rank your goals according to are they going to get through, right? This sounds way too strategic, but it is what it is. So like, 
go ahead and get the ones that you know that they're going to green light, get those through quickly, um, and then strategically pick the ones that you know are going to be a battle. And I think that when you do that, you also build trust. Yeah, so much small wins yeah, towards the bigger ideas. Sometimes they're big wins, but yeah. it's, it's a win that the founder is passionate about. Yeah. So if you have a path paved with those wins – and then you come with like an oh by the way I want to rent a unicorn for three million this quarter. Yeah. Then you're much more likely to get a yes. Get that unicorn budget. <laughs> that unicorn budget. Um, so I think it's just being incredibly strategic, and I think it's about a bigger picture, and it's about your relationship with that executive. Mm. Okay, I like that. So it's it, past two of both been kind of relationship relationship oriented mm-hmm. in a way that that's like. Do you feel like you then have to consciously? Do you build it outside of the job or do you feel like your relationship happens like in those meetings in be, and it's more in like the being present and listening or do you feel like you're trying to do a lot of stuff outside of that? I don't believe in the relationships outside of the office. Yeah. I, and everybody's different. And I go on Instagram and I see people on boats together and that's cool. I was on a boat recently. <laughs> they might have been me. sure you were. <laughs> and that's cool, but... I never was that way, and now that I'm slightly older, I find the boundaries all the more necessary as I have more of my own personal life, which at different points in my career, I didn't have a personal life. There wasn't time for it, but now I do, and now those boundaries aren't just there because I feel like it's appropriate professionally, but now they're there because it kind of keeps me safe and my time safe. Um, so I, I I really focus on building those relationships in the office. In the yeah. I think it also builds a little more respect that way. That's just my experience and my yeah. opinion. But yeah. like, I don't want to talk about business in the hot tub or on the boat. Like, let's let's keep this here. Yeah, talking about business in the hot tub sounds like the beginning <laughs> of like whatever. Would executive at Uber getting out? You know, story. I was listening to a bit on NPR, and it was um, a female founder of a, of a large company, and she was saying that this VC guy he was holding all of his meetings it's in the what, hot. It's and she what's was like, his face what? with a cowboy shirt? <laughs> it's it's like, a chick from Bumble, right? Uh, no, 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 not her. Probably it was um, clearly a repeat thing. It's I've heard like, this story is that he always holds his meetings in hot tubs. It's it's that's part of the boys' club. That's thing. a tough thing to be known for. But I mean, it's so common. Yeah. Like, how many boys' clubs at various companies do we know of? And the dudes break off, they go skiing, they go whatever. Mm. Like, I don't have time for that nonsense. Yeah. And I also don't want to do it. <laughs> like, you hired me to do a job, you hired me to be good and devoted and be smart. You did not hire me for the hot tub or the boat or the skiing. Yeah. So, so let's know. say I'm, my name's Micah, and I'm really close to my employees, and I now need to push them away emotionally. I'm incredibly close to my employees. <laughs> like, and and I sh- and, and there's no hot tubs. There's, no, there's no, just get rid of all. <laughs> all hot tubs are gone. Yeah. But I'm very close to them. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm. Would like to think that I'm very dialed in and I'm very kind of vested in their personal and professional success. Well past me. I am constantly asking them like, "What's your plan?" Back to the advice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "What's your plan? What are you going to be doing in three years? Who do I need to talk to for you? How's your resume looking?" Yep. I think it annoys them yeah. <laughs> that I, that I'm looking at their LinkedIn and I'm like, "Yo, you need to make a tweak." But I, yeah. I feel like I'm I'm buying the horse for the long term, so to speak. Supporting like the whole like the whole body of work yeah. as opposed to just what they're doing then. All right. Exactly. Um, so fourth then. Choosing the right partnerships because I feel like you played mm. a he- really heavy hand in this at 
Toms. Mm-hmm. Obviously, steer the ship at Beyond for Google. I'm, I, I'm, I know you had some do that, but specifically for like the retail experiences. For you, like the, one of the biggest things you can do, we're leveraging your audience. You're borrowing our credibility. How are you making those exchanges and making those right calls? I think that you have to look at your brand efficiencies. Mm. Um, and look at the areas that you need to strengthen. And every partnership should be, it's like taking a multivitamin. Every partnership should be strengthening a deficiency or furthering a goal or an audience. Partnerships are a lot of work and are not fun at all. (laughs) They are like one of the hardest grinds in the marketing mix. Um, But the end result is very fun, so they don't get a lot of credit for the intense level of detail um, and negotiation and, and all the marketing assets that go into it. So being really strategic and not just doing it for novelty's sake, but doing it because, you know what, you need to grow your male market share or you need to hit women ages 45 to 55 with a 200,000 HHI. It's like it, it needs to be very strategic. Mm. Otherwise, you're just wasting everybody's time. Yeah, I, I, I think that's definitely a temptation to partner up and, and, and do things that are kind of lowest common denominator because yep. you're like, well, we need to do something. Yep. What's your favorite favorite partnership you've got to be a part of? That was your brainchild. Ever? Ever. Gosh, it's so hard because sometimes the sheer charm of who's behind the partnership can make me love it. Okay. Like, so we did something with Feed, which is they do a ton of partnerships. But that team, oh, they're such a dream yeah. that like they'll forever have my heart and I'm still talking to them. Um, you know what? We did something with the bridge school once, mm. which was exactly that face that, what? I didn't yeah. hear about it. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody did. No, but it, it was such a cool partnership. That's how cool though. it was. You didn't <laughs> it hear about so it. Cool. So the bridge school, um, Neil Young started a school for special needs children up, up in San Francisco when his child was in need forever ago. And every year he does this like epic concert with like, when I went, I saw Tony Bennett and, um, McCartney and I mean it was just insane wow. and everybody does 15 minute acoustic sets everybody no matter how big you are it's kind of like a NorCal thing um anyway and obviously like Neil you know he plays Harvest Moon every year um so we did a collab with them and did a special shoe and it was just like they as an organization are so special what they do is so special that that's probably one of my heartfelt favorites you. yeah nice. all right like so four people bought it like four <laughs> <laughs> Poor people bought me gave away hundred pairs. Um, the last of the last of the five questions. Then, see how do you see the big picture? I struggle with this. The big picture, one, three, five years out. Because I, I feel like when you went to beyond, I talked to you and you kind of had this vision over the next three years of what it was going to be. Versus as a marketing agency, everyone asks you to do whatever their ask is in about three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we need to rebrand. Yep. We have two days. <laughs> Go. Yeah. Um, I think the, the largest challenge is getting your founders to understand that. Um, owner founders are such a unique dynamic in business. Um, I've worked for agency, I've worked for huge corporations, and I've worked for multiple owner founders, and they are an art understanding them, working for them is an art, um, and getting them to understand something that's clearly out of their comfort space is an art. Turning the ship around takes a long time. It's a big cruise ship, and Mm -hmm. it takes years to turn that tide and to deprogram the public and then reprogram them to see what you're trying to show. Um, So I think you just have to be really transparent and 
very patient with them um, and very clear with them and not overpromise. At the same time, I think that you have to be looking at your individual. While I was looking at the company's three, five, ten year, I was also looking at my personal three, five, ten year. Mm. Um, and I think that that plays into why you're taking a specific job. It should. The job should be furthering your personal life goals, your personal strategies, and whatever it is that you as an individual want to accomplish. So I feel like the two kind of need to mesh for it to be the right fit and for the timeline to work for everyone. Yeah. No, that, I, think, I think that totally makes sense. To And if you come in with an idea of how that it's it's servicing you. You're probably willing to give more to it, absolutely. In a way, and I feel like you you especially you said this earlier. You kind of give. You're like this is what I'm doing while I'm here. Yes. I'm working on beyond. I'm making it. I'm we're gonna get it to this place, and that's what I'm focused on. Not like oh, I'm also open to overtures from from here, there, and everywhere. Correct. Yeah. No, I think I, it totally makes sense, and I think it's harder to. Um, I talk to a lot of recruiters, not not for myself, but people who are in recruiting and the idea of like people are deciding between two companies and their massive lifestyle differences and they're kind of just like, all right, well, like, well, they're going to pay me this much and like, could you do a little bit more? And you're just like, that's how you're going to make the decision yeah. between like two different coasts? Absolutely. Versus but just saying like, oh, this is a great, right, this is the opportunity I want. When I left Google, I, I specifically was coming back to SoCal to be with my husband because we were traveling. And I was very strategic about kind of taking my time and picking a company at the exact size that I wanted yeah. and at a very specific place in its growth curve, a place where I knew I could have the most impact. Um, and so I, I talked to multiple companies um, all at, at, at the same space, at the same kind of time, at the same curve. Um, and I remember one of them specifically, it's a great company. They're killing it. They're incredibly chic. But I was like, oh, I don't want to go to Coachella. Oh. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to take pills in Coachella and the desert. Like, I just yeah. didn't want that life. So you didn't want to work for, let's say, Revolve. <laughs> we're just going to run, we're going to run through the brands really quick. Like, we're going to run through them. Glossier. Um, amazing. It has to be a very strategic decision. And exactly what you said, like, once you... Once you pick the right company for your life, um, then you're willing to give much more because you know that you're giving towards a larger goal of just your paycheck. Yeah. You're giving towards what you're building well, as an individual. Yeah. Um, and life is short, man. Yeah. So what's the what's the thing you're excited about coming up with Beyond? What are you most excited about? It's like what's exciting. What's exciting that I can tell that publicly can tell, yeah. that, that that NDAs aren't in place. Um, I think we have a lot of interesting stuff going on with video. We're really pushing into video hard. Um, I think it's where the brand needs to be, and I think that obviously a lot of companies are already there. We just got to the place where our creative is kind of clearly firm up and gelled. So now it's kind of adding on those those layering pieces. So I think mm -hmm. bringing video into our paid digital, um, bringing video more into social, I'm really excited about that. Um, and I think it's a really beautiful dimension to all of those other assets that we're creating. Mm. Um, and as much as I just you know bagged on it, uh, collabs. We've got some good collabs coming. Yeah, you guys um, just did. Alliance of Moms? We just did. We did Alliance of Moms a while back. We yeah. just did All Women's Project, yep. um, which are some girls out of New York. Um, it's a nonprofit. They do a lot of body positivity stuff. Um, so we just did something with them. And we've got about four more in the queue for the year. Nice. 
There we I'm go. not going to ruin the surprise. Don't do it. Not <laughs> not here. Good. Well, that we appreciate. We we're going to end with we'll end with one more um, fun question. So you get a chance to have dinner with any three people you want. Who are you inviting? Okay, so I've thought about this. My father. Okay. Uh, he was 20-something when desegregation happened. Mm-hmm. Fascinating man. He yeah. ended up like being over thousands of people in Nashville and his job. Just fascinating man. Um, Salman Rushdie. Talk about fascinating. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I love his writing. He's riveting. So interesting politically from a literary standpoint. Um, and the woman who started Milk Bar, part of Momofuku. Okay. Uh, I'm, I bake. It's all this is, Okay, but is this new to you, the, the baking? baking? No. The baking just hit the internet recently. Uh, yes. I yeah. used to stay home from elementary school and fake sick, and I would make sugar cookies. <laughs> Hell yeah. I was like nine. Yeah. It's really, it's not okay. Yeah. No one ever knew. This is the big coming out. Yeah, so yeah. I've always been like a closet baker. Okay. Um, but so I find like professional bakers really fascinating, and, and what she's done is like, ah. Oh. That's amazing. I And... Baking is it fun therapy? What is baking All of the for above. you? It's everything. It's your hobby. You'd it's, say. I think that it's perfect for type A's because mm. oh, the like the science and oh, the perfection behind the, it. The, it's. So specific. That's why you and Felicia got Yeah, along. and so like I'll make it, and then I'm like, I don't know, something's wrong, and then I'll remake it three times. I'm not saying it's a healthy habit. Yeah, no. <laughs> but but it's really satisfying. But you could have a more expensive yeah, habit than exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. You definitely could. Yeah, and and people benefit. There's lots of lots of blueberry muffins for friends and family. Dang, I'm still trying to come up on some of this monkey bread yeah. or cinnamon rolls yes, or something. Yes. All right. So what are the plug the channels? Tell us where to go. Yeah. So what I'm thinking. Um, um, in my career, in my path is after Beyond Yoga, I'll shift to consulting. Okay. So um, in line with that, I can be found on rhalliburton.com. Oh. Yeah, look at that. There's all Dang. kinds of logos and photos. Yeah. Um, what does so, it say, Squarespace production or Wix production? Oh, it's Wix. Dude, Rachel has this weird-ass thing about Wix. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You should hit them up. I've built like seven people's websites. Okay. It's re- it's that. So, yeah, baking and secretly building websites. That's my other passion. You, we, you, we're going to hit Wix. We're going to bang their line and tell them there's a creative who actually uses your services. <laughs> and they're going to just jump all over that. Oh, it's going to be rhalliburton.com, Owix production. It's my next collab. How, has, has Halliburton ever come after you over any naming rights? You know, I get a lot of engineers out of Texas friending me on LinkedIn, mm. which is a little <laughs> uncomfortable. I think it's a huge <laughs> disappointment. Like, we're interested them. in drone strikes. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to talk to you. Yeah, I could have changed my name when I married, but like, well, I'm not going to let Halliburton go. Are you yeah, that's a pretty, like, yeah. It's baller. You, I think you automatically have some type of White House clearance with yeah, that. Yeah, people, they, they straighten up just a little bit they, when the email do. comes through. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Cool. And all right, guys, you can check us out on any of these social channels at Shapeshift Report and also shapeshiftreport.co. And please rate the podcast, like us, leave a comment, subscribe, all the places you get podcasts. Thanks very much. Um,